Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1310, air date September 5th, 2023. Of course, you know, one of your areas of real expertise, and so uh, we'll, we'll just go for it. Okay. okay. Uh, let me ask my studio guys, are we, uh, we good? Audio, video, ready to go? Okay. All right. Go ahead and start on camera two, and I'll bring it in. And uh, Dr. Shiva, do you want me to uh, mention your first name when you can just say you, or yeah, just you can just say Dr. Shiva. Shiva. You can just say Dr. Shiva, Mike. Okay. That's fine. Yep. All right. Easy enough. Yep. All right. All right. Let me know when you're. Oh, okay. Here we go. Okay. Um, hey, that's interesting. Is that is that camera two? Is it is it zoomed in more than usual? It looks zoomed in to me. Yeah. It, yeah, pull it out a little bit because it doesn't quite capture the, the video wall. And um, stand by, Dr. Shiva. This is going to take a second. Sure, no worries. Yeah, just, just zoom that out a little bit. Usually we get the floor and the wall. Is that it? Oh, and there's my dog. Okay. Um, right there is good. Yeah, right there. Okay, let's go with that. That's my security dog, Dr. Shiva. He's... Right. Um, He's a Belgian Malinois, uh, uh -huh. trained in Europe, a police dog, and he's he's been with me now uh, about ten months, and really amazing. Goes with me everywhere. Well, that's great. And nobody gives me any shit. Yeah, I, I have two uh, Belgian shepherds. You know? Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. They they're called Native American Indian dogs. Really? Yeah, yeah. Very, very friendly. I got them up in Michigan. Very oh, nice wow. guys. So it's great to have them. Yep. All right, are we recording now? Yep. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> All right, three, two, one. Welcome to today's interview on Brighton.com. And I am just thrilled to have our special guest today, Dr. Shiva, who is one of the most intelligent people that I have ever met. And he, he and I always have fascinating conversations. He's running for president of the United States of America. His website is Shiva for president with the numeral four rather than spelling it out. So Shiva, S-H-I-V-A, Shiva, the numeral four, president.com to check out his campaign. And Dr. Shiva joins us now with his commentary about the other candidates running for president right now. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shiva. It's an honor, sir, to have you on. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for all your great work that you've been doing over the years. Well, I, I, yeah. I would say thank you. I mean, your analysis uh, has been just extraordinary in so many areas, COVID, vaccines, elections, and, and so much more. And you were involved in at least one lawsuit that I know of. Uh, before we, we jump ahead, can I ask you what, what happened with that lawsuit? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. So let's sort of review it for people who don't remember the lawsuit. Some of you may remember that when I went on Twitter, uh, you know, I, I was on Twitter for many, many years when I ran for U.S. Senate in 2020. Um, I was thrown off Twitter in September 2025. Uh, so, sorry, September 25th of 2020, because... I discovered that the government had deleted the actual digital images of ballots, Mike. I don't know if you remember that. Um, you know, when a ballot goes through, a paper ballot goes through a machine, it creates an image. Right. And the government had deleted those images and I wanted them. And they said, oh, we deleted them. We don't have to save them. Well, there's a federal law, Mike, that says USC 52, USC 2071, that the government is supposed to preserve those images. If you remember in 2020, we ran a, a phenomenal campaign the year, two years before I run against Elizabeth Warren, 
the slogan was only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And we, <laughs> and we forced her to take the DNA test. And I ran as an independent. So I thought I'd give the Republicans an opportunity in 2020. We ran in the primary in September 1st, 2020. And we had 3,000 people on the ground, 25,000, you know, uh, you know, lawn signs. We were everywhere. The GOP, obviously, in cahoots with the Democrats, runs his fool to run against me. Maybe he had one lawn sign, Mike. So on September 1st, 2020, the results come in. We win in the county, which is all hand-counted paper ballots by 10 points. And in every wow. other county, we lost 60-40, 60-40, Very, very close numbers in that ratio. And so I never thought fraud took place in the United States. I only thought that took place in a place like, you know, some third world countries. And so I immediately sort of plunged myself in as a engineer, right, to understand how these machines work. And I discovered that in all those other counties, Mike, they use the machines. A ballot goes in and a ballot is imaged and the machines actually use AI to calculate your votes. So according to a law, 52 USC 20701, I requested those images. They said, oh, we deleted those images. We don't have to preserve them. Um, so I tweeted out, Mike, uh, you know, and right after that, shortly thereafter, I said, government of Massachusetts has deleted images, ballot images. That goes viral. Um, a news story in Reuters said Dr. Shiva's lying. No ballots were deleted, Mike. You know, they left out the word images, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, always conflating these terms. And so what ended up happening as a result of that was uh, when I, I was thrown off Twitter and I had moved our campaign, Mike, into a still bona fide write-in campaign. So I'm still a U.S. Senate federal candidate. And a news story comes out from one of those fact, fake fact-checking organizations, which you're probably familiar with. And they said, oh, um, we contacted the Secretary of State of Massachusetts and they said they had contacted Twitter, right? So the government had contacted Twitter to throw off a political candidate, which is a grossest violation of political speech. I try right. to- and, 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 and I should add that what we're seeing now with uh, attempts to silence Trump is, is that whole thing on steroids now. They're, they're trying to make sure that Trump doesn't even appear on ballots across many states. Yeah, Not so they're, the they're, trying to invoke, yeah, they're, they're trying to invoke the 14th Amendment. Yes. There's something related in there for insurrection. But anyway, what happened there, Mike, was so here was a clear violation of free speech. No lawyer in Massachusetts wanted to take on the Secretary of State, Mike, um, because you have to understand lawyers are also in cahoots with the government by and large, right? They have to sort of rub shoulders with them for whatever favors they do on the back end. So I had to present it myself as pro se, which means uh, present myself in court, uh, be my own lawyer. And it was me against three Harvard lawyers. And what ended up happening in that was that in cross-examination, um, this is in mid-October of 2020, uh, the judge and I asked the social media director, how did you uh, decide to throw Dr. Shiva off? And she said, oh, we did not like what he was saying. So we have a special VIP backdoor portal into Twitter. <laughs> and, and, and he said, what did you do? He goes, well, we reported him. And she goes, what did you expect? Well, we were hoping they'd take him off. And then, then he said, after they took him off, how did you feel? She said, we felt relieved. And this is all in court transcripts. The judge is appalled, federal judge. He says, you know, I may be 70 years plus years old, but I still believe in the First Amendment. Had you ever thought of simply refuting what you thought of his bad speech with your own speech? They said no. So anyway, I win the preliminary injunction, Mike, as you know, PIs are very difficult to get. So the judge orders them never to contact Twitter if they have an issue to directly refute me online. Um, I get back on Twitter and uh, that was on 
November 1st, Mike, November 4th, after the election's over, right? So I lost almost 60 days of all my campaigning using the most important medium. You know, Twitter is really the medium for politics, right? It's not Facebook where you put up pictures of your dogs or family, right? Um, so I'm back on Twitter on February, uh, on November 4th, 2020, and I start tweeting away. And on February 1st, 2021, I once again share those, uh, my email conversations with the Secretary of State where she admits that they deleted my ballot images, the reason I was thrown off before. And this time I'm thrown off for good, Mike, within 17 minutes of sharing that for good, wow. permanently. Wow. That was on February 1st, 2021. Now, do, right? So I, go, I had to go back into court. I go into the judge. I said, judge, they didn't honor your direction, your order. And he said, bring Twitter into my courtroom. So before it was me against three Harvard lawyers. Now it's me against Twitter. And the hearing was set for May uh, 25th, 2021. And you have to understand, Mike, during this period, nearly, you know, I, I was doing video after video after video. Guys like you covered it. About a half a billion people all over the world saw it. But people like Tucker Carlson, even though he was notified, I've spoken to him before, did nothing. Glenn Greenwald did nothing, Mike. ACLU did nothing. They sat on it. They intentionally concealed it. And I say that because we gave them multiple opportunities to cover it. But on May, uh, you know, end of May, when the hearing is set, now it's me against seven uh, lawyers, right? The Secretary of State, three lawyers from Twitter. The night before, I discovered these playbooks. If you remember, Mike, I found these documents on a server at Harvard and in, um, in England because I was trying to figure out what is this backdoor portal? Well, in 2018, at Harvard, all of the elites, left and right, Democrats and Republicans, in fact, the election uh, groups from both, part, uh, both groups, uh, media companies, Pentagon, had all assembled at Harvard in something called the Defending Democracy Program run by a guy called Robbie Mook, who was Hillary Clinton's, um, if you remember, campaign manager, plus Republicans. And they had created a set of playbooks and people go to winbackfreedom.com. They can see all this. I documented everything. And these playbooks itemize, Mike, directly how you will censor someone, how you will detect someone to be blacklisted, how you will censor them, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, various levels of escalation. After you identify them, Mike, you will also then track them for a lifetime, potentially, right? And actually laid out in black and white. So when I went into court, literally, I found that at 2 a.m. in the morning, the night before, go into court, represent these playbooks. Um, the judge is, again, appalled by all of this. It was supposed to be a two-hour hearing, ends up going for two days. Yeah, there you go, Mike. Yeah. And at winbackfreedom.com. And what we discovered, Mike, right there, if you stop there, this entire censorship infrastructure. This is wow. in 2020, 2021. So you have all those parties. Um, and there's some detailed diagrams there, the playbooks they've written. But most importantly, at sort of the uh, bottom layer down there, the infrastructure that they created, what I call the back door, funded by Pierre Omidyar. You remember Pierre Omidyar, founder of eBay, funded by the Murdochs, funded by the Zuckerbergs. So the government could contact this nonprofit called the Center for Internet Security, and they would launder censorship. So that's this right. term I propose, right? Laundering censorship. So they could say, oh, we didn't have anything to do with it. They did it, right? Yeah, I call it decentralized tyranny. Exactly. Exactly. So they, it, but it was it, it was documented in playbooks, infrastructure, and so what ended up happening, Mike, was I when I in the second day of in May, you know, the first I presented all, and the judge uh, adjourns and he calls 
a hearing the next morning. And he says, you know, I got up at six in the morning and I read everything Dr. Shiva had to say. And he goes, this lawsuit will be taught in every constitutional law class in the United States. And then he proceeds to, and this is where he put the honeypot on me, Mike, okay? So he, he says, look, you've done an amazing job. You've won the injunction. You've done this all by yourself without any lawyers. I have the right to appoint you an attorney, a constitutional attorney out of my own funds. And he says, in fact, I got up at six in the morning. and I called him up and I said, he should represent you. Now, when a federal judge says that, Mike, right, I was advised you listen. All right. Because the guy's on your appearingly on your side. Um, so anyway, we get appointed this lawyer, right? Not a judge. I'm saying a lawyer. And the lawyer was supposed to brief up my lawsuits even better, Mike. Um, and I'd done a pretty good job. You know, the opposition Twitter's lawyers did not believe I'd done my lawsuit. They said these lawsuits, they said his briefs are too good, Mike. Um, they thought I had shadow counsel. So anyway, um, this attorney, very prestigious Boston attorney, I came out later, which I didn't know he was representing Dershowitz against Epstein. So the fix was in, Mike. All right. So this attorney, three days before my next hearing, he says, Shiva, look, drop all the claims against the government. I had seven claims, Mike, one to get back on Twitter. Right. But this had gotten way beyond Twitter. When you look at that diagram, I'd actually figured out the whole infrastructure. And the other piece was I was suing the government in their personal capacity, basically going after them, saying they knowingly did this. They shouldn't get qualified immunity. So this lawyer says, look, you're going to be the biggest hero. Be the first one back on Twitter, but drop all your claims against the government. Guy's, uh, guy's name is Howard Cooper. And two days before he advised me of this, Mike, I had the report by Stanford had come out called the Long Fuse Report. And in that report, they said I was one of the top six super spreaders on the Internet. I would do a tweet and I would do long form. Apparently, they would spread. So it validated the playbooks that I discovered. Anyway, this lawyer basically says either you go my way or the highway. So three days before, Mike, the lawsuit, you know, you, I, we have to do about 2000 pages of briefs. I had to fire this guy. And in 72 hours, Mike, I had to do all that work. I go into court. The judges flipped on me. My lawyer screwed me. Right. And you could see it was like a pit of vipers. They were hoping that I would just simply get back on Twitter. They could toast their martinis at Martha's Vineyard and say, see, we read this we'd let this rabble rouser back on Twitter. Aren't we great? We protected the First Amendment. But they mm -hmm. did not want me to go after the government, Mike, and I refused to do that. The judge then proceeded to seal the lawsuit, Mike. Wow. Seal the lawsuit and wanted to sanction me because he said he was going to impose Rule 11. Rule 11 means you're going after frivolous claims. Well, these claims were in there for about a year, Mike. So I refused. So what he did was he ordered me, forced me, to refile my lawsuit after he seals it only with that one claim, Mike, to get back on Twitter. So I did that because I didn't want to go to prison, right? And then I just walked away, Mike, because I didn't want to give them the benefit of putting me back on Twitter and saying, see, we did it. So the, the step that's happening now, Mike, I had to wait a period of time, but I'm going to sue DHS and uh, CISA directly. So that's what's happening. And I'll do that myself. I'm not going to use lawyers anymore because I did better without them. Yeah, um, well, CISA uh, is, is, they are one of the keystones of this entire censorship regime, as you well know, and and they are part of the government. Yeah, right? well, you have to remember, uh, so to, to people listening, that Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Act, there is another CISA that Obama did, but that wasn't the act, okay? 
CISA was created on November 16th, 2018. And to me, on that day is when the First Amendment got destroyed, Mike, because yes. in 1791, right, is when we created the First Amendment. And the First, and the, and the First Amendment clearly says, Congress shall pass no law to bridge freedom of speech. Well, November 16, 2018, that law destroys freedom of speech. It allows CISA to create these backdoor portals with social media entities. Interesting enough, every member of Congress, Mike, I don't know if you know that, signed it. It was unanimous no, in the House that. and unanimous consent in the Senate, and freaking Trump signed it, okay? So all of them, in my view, were involved in creating CISA, and they knew what they were doing. And CISA is the one that created that censorship infrastructure that I discovered in 2020. So well, and they're experts at positioning their censorship as, quote, fighting disinformation under the label of cybersecurity, which, of course, is just an excuse for this. And they'll put people like you and I in the same category as actual, you know, kinetic terrorists, for example. Exactly. And, and remember, if you read the playbooks on the Long Fuse report, it clearly says in there, it's fascinating. It says that we needed to create an infrastructure because according to the Constitution, you cannot surveil and silence domestic people, right? You can use it for foreign adversaries. So they said we needed to fill in that gap. Basically, we needed to do an end run around the First Amendment. And that's why they created this nonprofit NGO infrastructure funded none other than by Pierre Omidyar, by the way, who's the guy who starts The Intercept, okay? Yeah, which, right. which I'm convinced is a government front end, all right? They talk a big game, but so we're at very interesting layers of disinformation, uh, Mike, and how they present people as our fighters. But these people are all part of this because what ends, ends up happening, you know, so this was done in 2020, 2021. Wherever I traveled in the world, Mike, everyone said, oh, thank you, Dr. Shiva. We saw what they did to you, your elections. We saw that censorship infrastructure. But in the United States, people like Tucker Carlson, Glenn Greenwald, who act like they're fighters, right, concealed it, Mike. And, and, there, and this leads to a much larger story. Because fast forward on the censorship line, since we're talking about that, you know, 500 million people knew about this. And so when you come now to October of 2022, right, Elon Musk, October 28th, uh, 2022, Elon Musk says, I'm going to buy Twitter, right? That day on Facebook, which I still had my account, I said, hey, Elon, are you going to remove the backdoor portal to Twitter? If you want to know more, go to winbackfreedom.com. It's all there. You know what happens the next day, Mike? The next day, boom, out of nowhere, The Intercept drops a story. Oh, my God. DHS leaks. Remember that story? The, D the Department of Homeland Security is behind social media companies. And it was literally a play plagiarized version of the lawsuit, except they left out everything, Mike. It was a little piece of the story. A friend of mine whose father used to work for the intelligence agencies, he said, Shiva, do you know what they're pulling on you? I go, what is it? He goes, it's called the limited hangout. Have you heard of this, Mike? No. So a limited hangout is a CIA technique. It was really developed by a guy called Haldeman and Nixon. Remember in the, in the Nixon tapes, when, they, when Nixon knew he was going to be exposed, right, with the burglary? So what he does is on the tapes, he says to Haldeman, let's do a limited hangout of our story. A limited hangout, as you know, maybe there's a bunch of dead bodies, like you've killed a thousand people, right? But you put out one little story, oh, someone got manslaughtered accidentally, right? A well-manicured version of the story so you, can, you conceal the big iceberg, okay? Right. It's a, it's a technique. So here, 
And by the way, people should really go look at Tucker Carlson's background. His father was part of the head of the disinformation agency that was created. Tucker himself, in my view, he claims he wasn't accepted into the CIA. I think he's all part of it. So what Carlson? Oh, oh that's uh, hold on. That that's a huge claim. That I say that Tucker Carlson's part of the yep, CIA, and I I'm convinced about that because let me let me tell you why. Because Tucker Carlson puts the intercept on Lee Fang, and he says, and I have it all. In, it's on WinBackFreedom.com. Now, Tucker Carlson had got all my emails in 2020 and 2021, Mike. This is the most important story that a U.S. Senate candidate, a politician, is suppressed by the government. It should be on the front page of everything. So he puts Lee Fang on in 20, on October 29th, 2022, 20, uh, nearly two, three years later. And he says, Lee, I can't believe that the government has control over social media companies. How could we have ignored this? He fucking ignored it, Mike. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So fucker Carlson is what I call him now. But he knew what's going on. And he's, it's theater, Mike. They're all playing with people. So if, it, let me, let me interrupt you there though for a second. Um, what's the, is it a long game in your view? I mean, Tucker Carlson has done a lot of tremendous work exposing, you know, a lot of the crimes of the political cartels well, and so on. Let's, let's talk about that. So one of the things, Mike, is I'm, so if you look at this, there's a process diagram I have on winbackfreedom.com. This is the way they do it, Mike. So let's say you and I are independent guys, right? Independent journalists or independent citizens. And we come across, it's like you're walking down the street and someone's being raped, okay? And you say, oh my God, and you write a story about it. Fox News sees it and they don't do anything because a guy that's being maybe raped is friends with Murdoch, for example, right? So you wait two years, Mike, and then you do a major you know, movie, right? So that's the process that they're doing. It's delayed, truth is deadly. You know, Alan McDonald, who was a guy who was the engineer who wouldn't sign off on the space shuttle. Remember when the space shuttle was gonna go up the O-rings? Alan yeah. McDonald would not sign off on it. A couple of years ago, he died. And before he died, he said, the most important thing in life is to tell the truth at the right time. Any mm. Tom, Dick and Harry might can expose shit, okay? But so what they do is they have it down to a formula. They expose stuff, make faces. And that's what Tucker does. If you well, look at it late, you're saying. They, yes, they, it's delayed delay truth. It for years. Yes. So they have a process. So what they do is if an independent person like me exposes truth. I mean, think about that lawsuit, Mike. It was all out in plain view. Why didn't I get the limelight except for independent guys? Because you know why? For two reasons. First of all, these people are not patriots. They really hate this country at a fundamental level. And moreover, if they give me the limelight, like, holy shit, that guy's going to get our viewership. You see, because I'm not controlled. I'm not in the left wing camp. I'm not in the right wing camp. All right. So therefore, it's dangerous to them. So what they do is, shit, we can't cover this, but they have to cover it. Right. Otherwise, they lose credibility. So they delay it. So they don't use their megaphones, Mike, when things need to be done. Mm -hmm. Because had they okay. used their megaphones in 2020, it would have changed the world significantly. I see what you mean, but then they can always present themselves as saying, well, we did cover that. So we I'm trying to say that they Just have it when it would have mattered. They have it down to a scientific process, Mike. So they do. So in this case, they waited two years, did a limited hangout, act like Mickey the dunce. I mean, I mean, Tucker has these emails. We've sent it to him. Ooh, I mean, you could you should see the interview to Lee Fang. And I, by the way, Lee Fang, the intercept always look at their slogan. Oh, we we expose darkness. We cover truth. Right. Well, I am convinced the intercept because when Lee Fang talked about DHS leaks, he 
doesn't say anything about the fact that The Intercept was founded by Pierre Omidyar, who's the one who created that backdoor censorship infrastructure, Mike. Mm -hmm. You say? So they have it both ways. They have one news group which releases the stories, right? Because, you know, they are banking on the American public having amnesia. So they release a piece. See, we told the truth. People forgotten about it. Let's move on. I'm also finding, Dr. Shiva, that no matter what happens in the courts, the the government-sponsored censorship never stops. I mean, oh, yeah. I've seen judges issue decisions. You know, I've seen Missouri versus Biden. I've seen, you know, uh, questions raised even against the FDA and its its attempt to, to tell people not to use ivermectin and so on. And the Fifth Circuit just recently had a decision there. But nothing ever changes in the real world. The censorship continues. The lies continue. The courts just seem to be a place where truth goes to die. Exactly, Mike. They have it down to a process, man. They have... They have the media delays the truth. If things do make it to the courts, they have a way to kill it there. And um, that's why, you know, I believe we need to, you know, rebuild a bottoms up movement. But if you follow this process, what's wonderful about this is it's all documented beautifully. You can see we exposed it first in 2020. All the grifters didn't cover it. Right. Because probably because they're afraid of giving an independent person views and coverage. They wait two years. Tucker Carlson puts on his face, acts like, oh, my God, this is shocking. He had all the information in 2020, 2021. If people go to winbackfreedom.com, you can see the emails that we sent to him. And then he covers it. And then Musk gets involved. And this is my view. Musk was positioned as a guy who's fighting for free speech. Obviously, Vijay Agade and Dorsey were, you know, from the Silicon Valley standpoint, they were being too heavy handed, Mike, right? Openly fascist, right? If you speak about this, we're going to take you out. So they create this character called Elon Musk and Elon Musk comes in, you know, let this sink in. Remember on October 28th and the day after the intercept releases a story, then they do the whole Twitter file charade. Well, the Twitter file charade was literally taken from our lawsuit, but no kidding. Oh yeah, man, the whole thing and not one citation to our lawsuit. I mean, I was traveling, you know, a couple of, I was in Italy, right? Random people in the airport. I was in India or Mexico. Oh, my God, Dr. Shiva, I can't believe what they did in the lawsuit. So Schellenberger, Taibbi, why is there no mention of the most important lawsuit, which exposed all of it? Because, uh, yeah, good good question. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've also noticed that, yeah, certain people seem to be selected to be the faces and voices of the, the pushback against Of censorship. the limited hangout. So they're doing a limited right. hangout, Mike. So what they're doing is they wait, delay truth is step one. Step two then they do a limited hangout. So steal it from the person who actually first exposed it because they're independent, they can't be controlled. Then step three, Mike, they'll even fully expose all the truth, make a movie, win some Academy Awards. You see what I'm saying? But yeah. who, the, who the hell cares? Three years later, the house is burned down. It's like the firemen coming after the house is burned down and saying, I'm here to help, right? Well, you let, look- me, let, me, let me even add this to it, right? Uh, I, I was banned from Twitter for four years. Yeah. And the only time that, uh, Musk turned my account back on. And by the way, Brighton.com links are still banned on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But the only time they turned my account back on was when I hired a legal team and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, and, and wrote up a full legal complaint. And we sent it to Twitter's legal department and said, this is how we're going to sue you. And you have a choice. You can, you can restore our accounts or you can be sued. And we're even giving you the lawsuit. And that's when they turned it back on. But like you said, four years later, right? Right. And 
And oh, by the way, Apple just did the same thing. Apple just reinstated our natural news app after receiving the complaint that we're about to file against them to sue them. So it's the same thing. Big tech, they just sit back, they waste time, they cause you to waste money, and then eventually they turn you back on, you know, after the White House has been stolen. Exactly. So, so that's so they have it down to a science, Mike. And what yes. I'm what I want to propose here, having been in the trenches with all this, literally in the trenches watching the behavior, it is much more insidious than we think, Mike. So if you follow that entire censorship thing, then Musk comes in, if you remember, right? October, I get put on Twitter after two years. Now, Musk thought I would bow down to many, many, quote unquote, conservatives, Mike, started becoming lapdogs to Elon Musk. Thank you so mm. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I get put back on. And you know what the first tweet I did, Mike? I said, hey, Elon, you want a CEO? You know, I created the first email system. I'm here. You know, I have all the credentials. Why don't I be your CEO? That tweet, Mike, got nearly 20 million views. It went no viral. Kidding. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, you would have been a great CEO of, of Twitter. Instead, he hired a globalist. Exactly. The next tweet I did, Mike, so this is in, and you can see it in December. The next tweet I did is, Elon, are you going to remove the backdoor portal that I discovered? Here's a lawsuit, wow. right? Right. And so in December, I did four tweets starting to critique him. Then in January, like 10 tweets and February 16. And what you will see, Mike, is that my views went from 500,000 views per day down to 300,000, down to 10,000, now to 5,000 views. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yep. You're being, so, you're being throttled. Right. So it's called a digital cage. So what they did, Mike, with I think guys like you and I, they brought in Musk. Now Silicon Valley is, is being a little more sophisticated. Remember, Silicon Valley is the one that did the unholy alliance with Congress. Silicon Valley, if you think section about it, yeah. yeah, Section 230 gives social media companies a 10x valuation on revenue. Okay, 10x. So if if Twitter or a social media portal makes $1 billion in revenue, they're valued at $10 billion on Wall Street. Okay. If a publishing company makes $1 billion in revenue, you know how much they're valued? 2x, $2 billion. So the New York Times gets valued at $2 billion if they made $1 billion. Twitter, if they made $1 billion, is valued at $10 billion. Okay. That multiple, Mike, is a direct relationship to the, the fact, uh, you know, anyone can sue the New York Times, right? If you write, if you're a writer for the New York Times, you can sue them directly. But if I post something on Twitter, you cannot sue Twitter. That's from Section 230 immunity. So Silicon Valley negotiated that with Congress because everyone in Congress, go, let's go look at where their funds are coming from, left and right. They're getting paid off by Silicon Valley billionaires. They are. Yeah. Right. So the valuation model. So you invest in Twitter. You want to get your multiple on revenue. So Twitter made five billion in revenue. They're worth 50 billion. If the New York Times made five billion. They'd only be worth, you know, uh. 10 billion, right? And that valuation multiple is what they want to protect. So Musk was brought in. And by the way, let's be very clear where Elon Musk begins and where government ends, nobody knows. SpaceX, <laughs> right. $6 billion, right? In government financing. Um, he didn't really, he, you know, he's not, he, he's not the guy building rockets. Tesla existed before him. He fought tooth and nail to get his name put on there so he could establish himself as a founder. Tesla was making zero in profit, Mike, they, because Musk believes in the climate change nonsense. He loves Greta Thornburg. So Tesla got $1.5 billion in carbon tax credits from the government. And that's when they became profitable and the valuation went from nearly zero to 600 billion. 
All right. Right. And now right. you look at Twitter. Twitter's valuation is wholly dependent on Section 230 immunity. So everywhere you look at this guy's wealth, it's directly correlated with government. So when I started critiquing Musk, in fact, you, there's a guy called Clayton Morris of Redacted. So when Musk did his first Twitter space with his Twitter files charade, I like to say what it really was. Um, Clayton Morris, you know, in front of hundreds of thousands of people, he said, hey, Elon, Dr. Shiva's lawsuit in 2020 exposed the backdoor portal. How do you reconcile that with your wanting to be a free speech absolutist? Are you going to take it down? You know what Musk says, Mike? He says, ooh, that sounds like Big Brother. Let me check into it, Clayton. That was in December, Mike. So this guy has done nothing about it, okay? So what's fundamentally occurred is we've been all, particularly the conservatives, Conservatives think, oh, my God, thank you, Elon. Thank you, Elon. But what's happened in my view, Mike, is we're at censorship 10.0. So guys like you get put, and I get put on. But let me tell you, because I used to do predictive analytics. You know, my one of my uh, PhD uh, uh, work was in AI. I ran an AI company for many years to analyze content for customer service. Right. So what's going on now is predictive analytics. They can take all of your viewers right now, Mike, on Twitter, all of mine. And they can do what's called principal component analysis. It's, a, it's a, a technique. And they can find out, oh, these are the features of people who follow Mike. These are the features of people who follow Dr. Shiva, right? Then what they can do, Mike, is say, oh, out of the universe of 8 billion people who may be on Twitter, right, et cetera, or people come to Twitter, these are the people who may become followers of Dr. Shiva or Mike. Let's right. misdirect them somewhere else, okay? Right. To a fake version, right? To Booby effing Kennedy, for example, right? Or others. And we'll talk about those people. So we are at a point now where it's a much different kind of censorship, Mike. It's censorship 10.0. So you give the illusion of free speech. And Musk has openly said, free speech does not equal free reach. When the founders of the United States created the First Amendment, they concomitantly created the Postal Service, which allowed anyone to communicate, right? for very low cost of postal service was the internet of the time because they wanted free speech and free reach to be, uh, you know, work together. Yeah. Yeah. But clearly uh, throttling people or shadow shadow banning people goes against the spirit of the first amendment. And when they say freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of reach, they're basically just saying, we're going to uh, trap you in your own echo chamber where yeah, exactly. you, can, you can type things online and no one's ever going to see them. That's censorship. That's just, that's censorship. And by the way, I know you know this, but just for our audience, you know, Section 230 has been dishonestly interpreted by the courts on purpose, where, of course, when big tech makes editorial decisions, then they're supposed to be considered publishers, not platforms. Exactly. And that distinction is very clear in Section 230. And yet the courts have continued to dishonestly side with big tech and say, no, they're platforms, even though they selectively silence people based on viewpoint discrimination. So this proves, doesn't it, Dr. Shiva, that that not only has Congress colluded with big tech, and I believe that law dates back to the 1990s, but then the judicial system comes in mm -hmm. and also colludes with big tech. And of course, the executive branch is completely colluding with big tech. So all three branches of government exactly. are colluding. Yeah, and, and fu fundamentally online, there is no First Amendment anymore, Mike. It isn't. And if you, that's why, you know, we, we go offline, Mike. The future is offline. And I used to do this when I was a kid, you know, when I was an activist well, at MIT. Hold that in the center because it was out yeah. of focus. So there. what I want to say is, you know, if you look at this, let me see. Can you see that there? Uh, back it off a little bit and keep it centered. Right there. Uh, hide your face with it because it's tracking. Okay. 
it's trying to focus. Oh, I see. Face, okay. Not, oh no, it's going to blur it. Let me there, see. I just see that it says Dr. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There we go. So there you go. Okay. So what it's, so this is a flyer. It says the lesser of two evils is killing your children. I'll come back to this, Mike, but the flyer, basically when we launched our campaign, we said, look, what is the simplest thing? Cause people have very low attention span, right? There's a graph that I have and the graph just to describe it is a graph on the X axis goes from 1980, Mike, to, um, to today. And the Y axis is the number of years of life expectancy. And there's a gray curve there, which is the average of all the industrialized nations, which is going at about a 45 degree angle. The United States, Mike, is going upside down. Okay. It's like an umbrella. So, when you look at that, and that deviation started in 1980, so people think, oh my God, it's the vaccines. Well, it's not, it's actually not true. The it's US. It's not just the vaccine. It's not, it's, it's, it's something more. It's, 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 a, it's a, you know, as a systems guy, you know, if you're building an airplane, right, or you're building a complex system, it's not any one thing, right, that screws things up. It's, it's a bunch of little things or a bunch of big things. In this case, since 1970, when all the consolidation of power really began in the government, right? The Department of Education gets created, the NIH, pharma companies, insurance companies all come together. But fundamentally, since 1970 till today, it's been a system of policies, Mike, right? So the amount, the average American is under massive stress, right? That's one thing. The amount of toxins in the environment, right? You could look at the healthcare system and the big pharmaceutical system. It's not any one thing. It's been an integration of a bunch of things which have led to that decline in lifespan, which goes like this. So if you have a child today, this is really unfortunate, but it's the truth. Your child's lifespan will be less than yours. That's what we've gotten into. To me, Mike, that key performance indicator links all of this together. So why would you be like, you know, Charlie Brown who runs down thinking Lucy's not going to pick up the football, right? And that's yeah. what the Democrats and Republicans have done. They work together. All of these policies have literally affected our biology. I like to say, Mike, policy to biology. So if you think about 2020, they did lockdowns. Now, lockdowns physiologically affected our biology. So if you look at, at the molecular level, autophagy, right? Mitochondrial respiration, oxidative stress, inflammation. If you were locked down, a number of people couldn't see friends and family, isolation, um, you know, I just got back from Sardinia, Mike, in March of this year. You know, they have the blue zones there. The number one reason people live long, we know now, is because of community. Forget vitamins, forget exercise for a second, right? But it's having close family relationships. You feel secure. You feel warm. These community relationships and the, um, the work of Stephen Cole in, in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences shows in primates and other animals, close relationships boost up your body to create antivirals. Your body makes anti-inflammatories. When you're isolated and you feel lonely, your body will actually stop making the antivirals and your body will actually create pro-inflammatory markers. So think yes, about that. True. So the lockdowns actually killed millions of people, right? And what's fast, yeah. and that's in 2020, Mike. And unfortunately- well, I, I call them kill downs, not just lockdowns, but kill downs. Yeah, and, and you know, I wrote- you know, to Trump in 2020, Marla Maples delivered the letter. I wrote to Trump. I said, do not do these lockdowns. Fire Fauci. We ran the Fire Fauci campaign in March of 2020, Mike. Freaking booby effing Kennedy. Sorry to break this news. The guy was promoting lockdowns. He was saying it's going to stop the spread of COVID and it'll help the environment and stop climate change. Okay. 
So we have to go look at what did people do in a crisis, Mike, if we're looking for leadership? What did yeah, they do? In, in fact, I, I want to ask you now about the candidates that are, that are running here, because I really want to get into your, your platform and what you're going to do as president. But as far as the other candidates, what do you think of Ramaswamy, DeSantis, Trump, and RFK Jr.? Well, Mike, if you think about it this way, if you think about, we started this discussion about the swarm, right? The swarm is a tightly knit group of elites who telepathically communicate, right? Like the swarm of birds. All these people are from the top, Mike, all of them. Trump has golden plated toilets, right? Look, I've met with Trump. I've had a two hour meeting with him. He made a ton of money off my election systems analysis, right? Um, Booby Kennedy, and you look at this guy, Ramaswamy, it's literally, Mike, they have a factory, a manufacturing factory, and they watch which way the masses are moving. Wow, people are starting to break with the left and the right. People want to build grassroots movements. Go back to the time of Obama, right, after Bush. So what they did is they created Obama. They literally find a guy, gets funded by the Pritzker family. Overnight, he's pushed out there with the Madison Avenue marketing called Hope. No one gets on mainstream media, let's be honest, Mike, without a massive engine behind them. So the, the elites, the swarm, pushed Obama for eight years. He was supposed to be a fighter. What did he do, Mike? Ultimately sold out the people to the big banks. The big banks should have failed. He came and saved them, right? The white working class and the you know black working class, white, all different colors of people voted for Obama. 57% of Trumpers voted for Obama. And this is my retrospective review, Mike. You know, I voted for Trump, as you know. I gave him money. But at the end of the day, I had to really contend with these contradictions. And I, you know, when I exposed and spoke against Trump, I lost 20% of my followers. But it is my view, if you believe elections are selections, which is what I believe they are, Trump too was selected. Why was Trump selected? Well, people were losing faith in the establishment. So they needed a white guy this time. So Trump comes in with lock her up, which he didn't lock her up drain the swamp, right? Build a wall. And what did he do? Yeah, none, of, none of which happened. None of which happened. In fact, Trump was a perfect person. Remember, Trump wanted to be in Hollywood. He wanted to be an actor. All right. He wanted to be a producer. So they bring in Trump. And what does he do? The first thing, the first thing he doesn't fire Fauci. If you want to drain the swamp, this guy's been around since the bullshit nonsense with AIDS and, you know, HIV nonsense, right? He, yes. he helped Robert Gallo. So you bring, so here is the epitome of the swamp, right? Which is Fauci. Fire Fauci. We delivered 120,000 signatures in 2020, not waiting two years until a lot of these doctors did, Mike. I'm sorry. They should have done it then. They were silent then. They waited to try to get both sides, right? So Trump didn't fire Fauci. Next thing he did is he, he says, oh, I, I, I don't know if you saw the video he just did two days, three days ago. We will not comply. I will stop vaccine mandates. I will stop mass mandates. Well, then he was saying, I can't do anything. But he was coordinating the mandates, the mask, and the vaccines with all the governors. Then he pushed. Um, all people need to do is look at Pfizer case in points revenue from 2015 to 2019. Mike, have you seen the revenue curve? It's going downward from 65 billion down to 40 billion. That's the elephant in the room. Pharma's screwed up drug development process, which doesn't work, was failing. In fact, the FDA is not even approving many of their drugs due to side effects. And we've known this for many, many years. So pharma's entire business model was burning and crashing. They needed the vaccine, Mike. So in 2019, they, they're doing about 45 billion. This is Pfizer. And boom, in 2020, 80 billion, and then under Biden, 100 billion. 
Trump was also funded by Big Pharma. He said he was against them, but he took in a million bucks to his inaugur inauguration campaign. That's right. Pfizer paid for inauguration. And and yes. the day he so so a lot of the Trumpers, when I was, you know, unfortunately I had to do this custodial work of exposing Trump. Right. Said, oh, well, you know, he had to keep Fauci. He was playing ninth dimensional chess. You got to understand, Dr. Shiva, you don't know all the stuff he was going under. Great. Then 12 hours before he leaves office, Mike, he gives Fauci the presidential commendation award for Operation Warp Speed. So when that, you uh, that's yeah, I still I can't I still can't understand. But but what I I'm mean, saying is when you connect up the dots, you you have to come to the rational conclusion, which is what they don't want us to do. They want us to defy our own logic. And, you know, when someone says, I'm going to, I'm like this, there are, most abusers tell you, I'm like this, and that's who they are. The problem is, Mike, we are trained as good working people. Oh my God, no one could be that bad, right? right. And, and that's. No, there's still, uh, Dr. Shiva, there's still the, the Q movement still exists out there. There's total bullshit. People who think that there's, there's going to be a giant rescue and. 50,000 criminals are going to be locked up in, in Gitmo and all the truth is going to come out. Are you kidding me? Well, Mike, <laughs> what, what's, what's interesting is, you know, I did a video call, was Trump the swamp, right? Had to expose him, unfortunately, you know, um, months later, <laughs> a half a year later, uh, Trump and his uh, people contact me. All right. Because, you know, I had done all the election system stuff, by the way, the real election systems issues are the signature verification issues and chain of custody. All of that shit, the good stuff gets covered up, Mike. This is what they do with crazy wackadoodle stuff, okay? Mike Lindell, nice fellow, made a ton of money with throwing crazy shit out there, selling pillows. Uh, Trump made about a half a billion dollars collecting money. So he sends me, he does, does a shout out. I want to thank Dr. Shiva, the great computer scientist. Then I get an email inviting me to Mar-a-Lago. Well, Literally the week before, Mike, he had supported the GOP guy in Massachusetts, endorsed him, who did the election fraud. So I refused to go. My assistant wrote back an email saying, "Mr. Uh, you know, dear Honorable President Trump, we uh, respectfully declined because you were supporting election fraud. Anyway, I was dying in Miami. I get invited again. And a bunch of my friends are like, Shiva, you're too critical of people. You got to give them a chance. So anyway, me and my significant other, we both went to meet him in a small room. And what I saw, Mike, was an out-of-work actor. That's what he looked like, all right? Like, you know, when you're in the back room after you've done a play, that's what he looked like. And the sense I got was he had no one there. This was just a gig for him. And there was really no one there to advise him on anything, Mike. When we left, Michelle, who's my significant other, was crying. She goes, holy shit, the guy's got nobody. So there was a sense of sadness, but also the sense that the guy is just a puppet, Mike. That's what I left with. And well, so here's the bottom line. Assessment, but and the, I mean, I hope that's not true. Well, but. the woman that was coming in and out, everyone should look her up. It's called Susie Wiles, right? Susie Wiles comes from Ballard Communication, one of the most deep state PR groups that you can think about, Mike. Now, what is PR all about? It's about presenting yourself, right? So now, so my unfortunate view on Trump was he's an actor, Mike. Now you go, so now they've created Mini Me Too, which is this, what I call them the brown nose Brahmin, big pharma brown noser. They saw this brown face, Mike, and, I, and a bunch of people have said this. So they go create like Obama, this other guy, Vivek the snake. Now we have to really look at this guy. He's like, he, he is, you know, uh, you know, even though I don't care about Chris Christie, but he was right about this. He is a chat GPT in avatar form.
The guy <laughs> says all this shit, but go look at him. Mike, I don't know if you know, this guy, he starts a company called Axavant. I'm talking about Vivek the Snake. Axavant goes and buys for $5 million a drug from GSK, which was a failed drug, Mike, failed four times for Alzheimer's. GSK put tons of money. They said they had a drug for Alzheimer's. They did a first clinical trial for Alzheimer's. It failed. Then they tested on dementia. It failed. Parkinson's it failed. And then again, four failed clinical trials. All right. This freaking bullshitter, a snake, goes and buys a drug for five million, Mike. And this is what they teach him at Yale. Okay. Puts it into company Axavant, then gets his mother, Mike, to do the what's called the analysis of one of the clinical studies, just one of them. And the way the mother does a clinical study, uh, not does a clinical study, you know, in a spreadsheet, reanalyzes data was throw away all the people, Mike, who never finished it. And then write a poster report in a small scientific conference, which is like the lowest form of science and tell everyone, oh, this drug works. They take that report, Mike, then this fool goes around to Kramer and all the stock shows and says, we have a drug for Alzheimer's, okay? Boosts up the stock IPO, right? A lot of people invest. He sells, makes 50 million, and then they actually go do the phase three clinical trial. Mike, guess what happens? It fails. The stock price drops 99%. Wow. This guy's a fucking fraud. It's, I hate to use these words, but that's the anger I have. So they literally have a manufacturing facility, Mike, they're watching people getting tired of this bullshit. And by the well, way, we know like AOC, you know, Ocasio Cortez. Same thing on the left. Tryouts for her for her position. Sanders. They the 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 the, the establishment is one. The swarm is one. They have the shoulders. They have the right shoulder of the swarm. People like McConnell, right, and whoever else, right, McCarthy. They have the left shoulder of the f f swarm, like the Clintons, um, et cetera. But they have they need the wings, Mike, for the bird to move. So they have the AOCs and the Sanders who mouth off, oh, yeah, we're for workers and just say enough stuff, right, to yeah. keep the masses enthralled. On the right, they had the Tea Party, but they needed Trump. So Trump is a right wing stuff to even attack the so-called swarm. But he's part of it, Mike. And we have to okay, acknowledge what, that. What about what about RFK Jr.? You, you've been referring to him. Look, I know. I know. Look, uh, many years ago, I did a movie with him. But you got to understand, just let's just step back. And we have to look at this from the perspective of who are these people? They come from the swarm, Mike. They're not working people like us, okay? Everything I have, everything most of the people listening, we all came bottoms up. Go look at, we really have to look at the Kennedys. Well, they're mobsters. Joe Kennedy was one of the biggest mobsters. JFK, I'm sorry, when I grew up, I used to, you know, in every hut in India, people used to have their pictures up, right? But JFK couldn't even get into the Navy. He had venereal disease. He had all sorts. He was a reckless, crazy guy. His father had to make the call. He was not allowed into the Navy to get him in. And then he blew up ships in the Navy through his recklessness. And then he becomes president. If you really look at the stuff that actually took place, many people try to create this on the, on the conservative side. And we say, oh, poor uh, John F. Kennedy. He was killed by the military industrial complex. He wanted to pull out out of Vietnam. Not, not true. You know, Michael Tracy has his wonderful video, which he found, where you know, JFK's all pro-imperialist. We got to go into Vietnam. We're not going to leave. Then Robert Kennedy, this, the, the brother, they try to make him as a peacenik. He gave one of the most profound talks on the floor of the Senate 
totally supporting LBJ staying in Vietnam and escalating that war. So if you now look at this thread, where did the Vaccination Act come from? It came from in the 1962 Vaccination, Kennedy Vaccination Act was passed by John F. Kennedy. He's the one who signed it into law. That act, Mike, as you and I know, was based on a very rudimentary understanding of the immune system, which went back to 1915, right? Which was you had this two box model, the innate and the adaptive. You inject your stuff into the innate, you short circuit the, I'm sorry, the adaptive and you get antibodies. So the 1962 Vaccination Act, signed by Kennedy, is the one that created all this bureaucracy, the CDC, right? All the bureaucracies. Um, what happens 24 years later, 1986? During that period, people are reporting vaccine injuries. Well, right. to indemnify them, the other Kennedy, Ted Kennedy, if you actually look, he was a sponsor of the Senate bill to called the National Vaccine Injury Program, which was right. shoved into a rider that they had Reagan sign. And that basically gave full indemnity to big pharma. And it, put, it created a vaccine court under health and human services. So what has happened? One Kennedy created all the bureaucracy. The next Kennedy protects all the big pharma companies, creates more bureaucracy. And then you have this fool, and that's what I have to call him, Booby Kennedy, because he's fooling a lot of people. And I came one-on-one -on -one with him, Mike, because in January of 2020, um, you know, I led the biggest protests in New Jersey against the vax mandates, all right? And Kennedy and these other guys were driving around, oh, Dr. Shiva's being too militant. And mothers were really pissed off. We won't be able to negotiate with the Democrats. That's what they've been doing, Mike. But we scared the shit out of the lawmakers. They tabled the bill. And then I started reviewing Bobby Kennedy. Well, he endorsed Hillary Clinton, not once, not twice, but three times, knowing she was pro-Monsanto, knowing she's pro-glyphosate. All right. Why? He endorsed but her is, three times publicly. Isn't it possible, though, that, that RFK Jr.'s views have changed rather significantly because of what he's been put through well well let's censorship let's, and you, i mean i don't think he would endorse Hillary well Clinton well today. let's well let's let's look at that in 2020 when i ran for office here his nephew mike was running for senate on the democrat side his nephew was rabidly pro-vaccine mandates mike he flew him out to hollywood and did a fundraiser for him that's 2020 then you go to 2022 um you know Again, the claim is, you know, the mRNA vaccine is, violates the Nuremberg Code. Well, in his own house, they have a party. People had to be vaccinated, Mike. All right. And they had to show that the proof of vaccination. So when you connect all this, what does Kennedy actually want? Well, you know, when I dug up that video, which was given to me by a very uh, a kid that was not a kid, but an epidemiologist who was working for Kennedy and he left him because he saw all these contradictions. Well, in that video, Done in 2015, 2016, Booby says, I am pro-vaccine. I am emphatically pro-vaccine. I believe in full vaccination of all Americans. I vaccinated all my kids with all the 69 vaccines. All right. Now, yes, I've heard him say that. Yes. And then yeah. in the rest of the video, Mike, he proceeds to then rail. And this is where people think, oh, Bobby's fighting for us. Rail the CDC. They're corrupt. And then he says, I'm going to get them to make safe vaccines. So you see the common theme here, Mike. Government is still involved. My view is the 1962 Vaccination Act should be completely repealed. Government should not have any rights to even have any discourse on this. So you have the first Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, created the 1962 Vaccination Act. Then the other brother, Ted Kennedy, who murdered a woman right here, creates a National Vaccine Injury Program or co-sponsors it. And this third Kennedy, what is he really saying? Safe vaccines. 
You know, in 2020, I had one of the biggest conferences here on vaccine safety and immune health. His attorney, Aaron Searing, you should interview him, said, Shiva, you have some very cool technology. Let's create safe vaccines. I go, what did you just say, Aaron? He goes, oh, oh, I didn't say that. My wife shouldn't hear me say that. I'm telling you, these guys are not for going at the fundamental issues, Mike, which is that the government should not, not at all be involved in anything going into our system, particularly a jab. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they're trying to keep, these are called reformists, okay? And whenever you try to reform the devil, you become the devil, all right? <laughs> you can't reform the freaking devil. And that's why I say we need a systems overhaul. So this is the fundamental difference. So Vivek the so, Snake, Booby, Trump, unfortunately, I'm sorry, these guys are part of the swarm. They have well, no- in, in, in Okay, in, but in the few minutes we have left though, I wanna ask you to focus on what you would do as sure. president. And I agree that we need- major system systems uh, system overhaul. overhaul but i think we're going to have a system collapse frankly and that's how we're going to get whatever comes next uh i mean that that that's my opinion because well, i see so much that's completely unsustainable including on the financial side money printing and federal federal debt you know the largest federal payment now is interest on the debt yeah <laughs> you know, not so, hard to see where this goes mathematically so mike this is so let me sort of put it into a nutshell okay Bottom line, the United States maintains its reserve currency by the might of the military industrial complex. Agreed. Right? So if they don't have that, they have they and, and Stephanie, uh, what's up, Stephanie Kate Caitlin, uh, forget her last name, starts with a K. She's a professor who who is the theoretician of modern monetary theory who advises all these guys. She says, print as much money as you want, as long as you're the reserve currency and you can control inflation. But reserve currency status is predicated on being the global policeman, right? So that's where, that's what all of this fiat currency is predicated on. Now, if you go to where I'm coming from at a fundamental level, Mike, how we need to like really, really be honest with ourselves, elections, politicians have never led to any change, right? Any change has always come from bottoms up movements where individuals, people's names, we don't even know, Mike, women in the 1800s, you know? By the way, I don't know if you know, in 1886, four American workers were hanged for fighting for simple eight-hour workday. Did you know that? No. And in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, seven American workers were shot by the National Guard. So there was an amazing thing called the Great Upheaval, which has been written out of our history books. They don't want young kids to learn this. By the 1900s, Mike, these bottoms-up movements, they weren't communist movements. They weren't. They were bottoms-up American workers' movements you know, starting in, with women in Lowell, Massachusetts, fighting to eliminate child labor, fighting for clean water. It was those movements that put the gun to the head of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And many of the reforms that came out came from that period, Mike. And so if you look between 1900 to 1970, as these movements were grew, that as the economy grew, the GDP grew, everyone's wages grew, the first and second income quartiles, third and fourth, all of them grew. But in the 1950s, a guy called McCarthy branded all of these movements, Mike, as communists. He was from Milwaukee, by the way, Wisconsin. You know, like Russia was controlling all of these. And so the right wing attacked all of these movements as communists. They did the Red Scare. And the so-called left wing, the San Bernie Sanders of the time, the Kennedys of the time, took over all these truly bottoms-up unions, Mike. So by 1970, the left and the right had suffocated these truly organic bottoms-up movements. 150 million people took to the streets during that period in 11,000 strikes. But by 1970, that was it. There was no more movements, Mike. The left had taken over the unions and Wall Street 
in the, in the right would scare people. If you build a bottoms-up movement, you must be a communist. So between 1970 to today, Mike, the GDP has grown. But now we have two American pies. The American pie for the first and second income quartile has shrunk. And it's shrunk by $47 trillion in wages, which has been transferred to the elites. The lockdowns, Mike, 600 billionaires increased their wealth by $2.3 trillion. Trump printed $8 trillion in one term. Obama, Obama printed $8 trillion in two terms. That's right. So fundamentally, when you look at this, what we have is literally the raping of the American working class, the most powerful working class on the planet, which was given the First and the Second Amendments. And in order, and, and my view is 3% of the world's population has these two very fundamental rights. And the globalists, the elites, and many of them, I believe, are out of Britain, right? The Atlantic Council, by the way, is the one who created that censorship infrastructure out of Britain. They do not want the American working class, particularly the American white working class, um, to wake up, right? So they have Trump. They had Obama. They now manufacture Kennedy and Vivek the Snake and all these people. And they do not want one of us, Mike, bottoms up educating people that right now the life, your ch child's life expectancy is going down is less than yours and it's a it's a systems issue and in my campaign mike i've identified six systems issues healthcare okay uh you know environment right the education innovation governance and economy and if you look at every one of those systems mike they're all busted and that ultimately co contributes to the stress of the individual which leads to that destruction lifespan so what's the solution mike Health. So what we've been doing, Mike, is every week we do a town hall and we have it on theme. So healthcare, you know what we do, Mike? We're not saying I'm going to wait till become president, right? What we do in our town hall, Mike, is we teach people how the immune system is. And then we teach people how to take care of the immune system because the government ain't going to do shit for you, Mike. So yeah, you have that's, to. That's true. So, so we teach people, people leave our town halls saying, oh, this is what I got to do. The environment. What do you do with the environment? Well, let's start with what you're putting into your mouth. Start supporting your local farmers. Figure out how you can shop in a frugal way and support local farmers. Because when you do that, you start realizing, oh, it's very hard to find organic food. You start um, valuing that. So we teach people how to do that, Mike. Education. Our young people do not, reading, writing, and arithmetic. First of all, that's not even taught anymore, right? It, they don't even care if you get the right answer as long as you do something. So what I teach, Mike, is systems thinking. Systems thinking. Jay Forrester was one of the leaders in the field. When I last saw him, he died when he was 99 uh, at MIT. He was a professor there. He said, kindergartners need to learn how to see the interconnections between things, Mike. That's mm -hmm. called systems thinking. So we- okay, we're, we're almost out of time here, Dr. Shiva. So. Yeah, so, so bottom line, Mike, in each one of these areas, we have created actually a program, an actual solution, and people come to our town halls and they leave with this. But the fundamental issues, Mike, we have to build a bottoms up movement for truth, freedom, health. So what I tell people, Mike, is to go to Shiva for president, get one of our bumper stickers, you know, um, get our flyers, get on the ground, Mike, meet your neighbors, connect with people. No one from above is going to help us, Mike. It's got to be bottoms up, period. That's a well, movement, Mike. I'll, I'll add to that. And I say I love the fact that you are a thinking person, that you're not afraid to criticize what's broken. And the one thing that disturb, disturbs me about uh, some of the things that you have pointed out is how much the American people... Uh, are driven by cult-like uh, celebrity worship. You nailed so it, Mike. You nailed I've it. Seen, I've seen people, even even Trump supporters. There, there are Trump supporters out there who have no idea why they support Trump. It's just because he's popular. And I have a problem with that. If you support somebody, you should think through it. And, and the same is true 
probably with RFK and the same is true with Biden, whatever. And this cult-like mentality will, will destroy us if people don't begin to think for themselves and stop just following people, following the herd off the cliff. That's, I'm very concerned about th this tendency. Yeah, Mike, that's what the bottom line is. So we have to teach people not what to think, but how to think. Systems thinking knowledge, Mike, really came out in the 1920s with the work of, and heightened really in the 1950s. You know, So everything we do, there's, you know, people go to truthfreedomhealth.com. What I used to teach at MIT, the, you know, the smartest minds I've made accessible to everyone. We have to teach people how to think, Mike. And when people learn how to think, they start thinking beyond left and right. They look at a problem and they see it for what it actually is. You know, and from a spiritual perspective, Mike, the, the aspect of life is to see things as they are, you know, to right. remove all these veils. And systems thinking is the only way to do it. And uh, so I encourage everyone to go to truthfreedomhealth.com. But our run for president, Mike, has really galvanized a lot of people. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., we do a town hall. And the quality of people that are coming there, Mike, you, you'll, it, it'll really get you excited because it's the people who are overcoming the cult, Mike. And that's right. what the goal is, thinking people. And it's very interesting. In 2023, we're getting a lot of very, very enlightened people who really want to figure out how to do the systems overhaul for themselves and their family because they surely don't want their child to have a lower lifespan than them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the website is Shiva for president. Numeral four. That's the numeral yep. four. Yep. Uh, Shiva for president.com. And uh, just hang on, Dr. Shiva. I've got one more comment off the record to share with you. So don't, don't hang up. Yep. Uh, but I want to encourage people to visit your well, website. To let me consider what you're saying. Yep. Uh, you, you said a lot of, of you know, very aggressive things about other candidates.